and like yourself, not really handling or dealing with hemp or hemp textiles, but very involved in the textile industry and the science behind the textiles. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself, kind of tell me a little bit about what you're doing and where you've been and so forth. Oh, awesome. No, thank you, Mandy. And uh, so it was not Mandy and I's first time meeting. Uh, I mean, we never met in real life, but we've communicated quite a bit. I've been on some hemp calls, done some research. And I'm definitely excited about hemp and, you know, where it is right now, kind of in the infancy-ish stages here in the States and just seeing just the potential of the sustainability and the growth uh, over time. So I'm definitely excited to learn more. Um, Textiles, yeah, I had no background in textiles. Uh, chemistry and sales are my two backgrounds. I used to work in hospitals selling medical equipment. I used to work in a biochemistry lab working on like cancer proteins and never, it's just funny about life. I tell everybody, I'm like, you never know when like one introduction is gonna like totally change your course of your life. And uh, my introduction, if you will, was actually meeting my husband um, nine years ago and He's not into textiles, but his workout clothes stunk. So I'll just fast forward. Like he's a cutie patootie and he would work out and he had these, you know, that kind of polyester, nothing against polyester. I'm not here to like bash anyone, but you know, different fabrics for different folks. And yeah. they had the polyester and it would hold on to that smell. And so I'm not, an, I, mean, I was not an entrepreneur. No one in my family's an entrepreneur, but the smell of the stinky workout clothes drove me nuts. Like, I would add those like extra scented lavender pods, like extra pod wash cycle. And I would like smell his shirt when it came out and then he would put it on. I'm like, oh, it smells great. And the moment he started sweating again, like the sh I coined this term, the shirt became activated. I'm like, what is this? So with my science background, I just started literally like Googling, um, you know, just, you know, fabric science. I didn't even know what a fabric scientist really was or like just fiber nerds. I didn't even know what a fiber was, but so many people domestically on the East Coast just gave of their time and their expertise and taught me. I mean, I know just enough to be dangerous about textiles, but I learned almost all of this just from people I've never even met before um, that were willing to give information and then just trial and error. So, yeah, after Kyle Stinky, that was like four and a half years ago, um, I decided to work on developing a fabric that's super soft, so it feels like a lightweight cotton, but it's anti stink uh, which basically means antibacterial and uh yeah so i mean i, I can go on and on as well I'll, I'll let you ask more questions i could go on and on for the next three hours about it <laughs> well i'm i'm curious because i'm like you when i got into this i didn't know anything really about fibers like i didn't realize this was going to become a passion of mine or yeah. that this was going to be what really was leading some of our charge as an association is around the textiles right or how so when you got into it, what did you find? Kind of tell me what. So what I'm, you know, I love science and I love the, um, I love science, especially chemistry and biochemistry. There's things happening all around us at all time and you can't see it. So when I started working on textiles for antibacterial fabric, I started joining fabric associations. I was doing a lot of research. And the, I mean, the technology that's out there today, but then the technology that certain companies and the government's working on for future is unbelievable. I went to one talk, gosh, three years ago for a fabric association I'm on. And there was a gentleman standing in front talking about if they can do it now, but they're you know working on it and testing it. It's like a t-shirt material. So it literally feels like a t-shirt. And if you shoot a gun at it and a bullet hits the shirt, the shirt gets so rigid instantaneously, the bullet doesn't go through. And I just sat there and I was like, what? And so I heard that. And then I heard some other awesome advancements where like, if there's a baby, let's say a Nikki or just a baby, you can swaddle the baby in certain textiles that monitors all their vital signs. And I'm like, what from fabric? And I, I just was blown away. And so even though I've started with our Prima fabric, antibacterial, you know, it's like cotton polyester and a silver poly blend. I am really excited just about textiles as a whole and like where they're going and really it's limitless. Um, you know, the advancements of technology in textiles today, even like, or last year or like five years from now, it's just, it's limitless and super exciting. Amazing. So tell me where, where you've gone now and where are you going? You know, as far as this, antimicrobial or antibacterial textile, what's being done with it? Where, what, what are you doing with your business? So we're very fortunate and blessed that the past year with the pandemic, we've actually uh, experienced a lot of opportunities for growth and scaling and 
pivoting and all that stuff. So we did we launched Excel Lifestyle Apparel August of 2019. So pretty much a hot second ago. And you know, t-shirts and tank tops, and but everything is sourced and made here in the United States, which is really important for us to be an ethical, sustainable company. And never in a million years would I have thought that me taking so much time to find excellent partners in the United States would benefit the company and the world and the pandemic last year. So we pivoted uh, last March. One of my um, consultants in New Jersey, I, I hail from Rhode Island, uh, even though I've been living in Texas 15 years. So when I get excited, the accent comes out a little bit. But uh, <laughs> she hit me up on, I think it was March 9th, I don't think, it was March 19th. She got me a text in the morning. She said, hey, the CDC is saying that healthcare workers are running out of face masks, wear a bandana, wear cotton, whatever. And she's like, why don't you turn your antibacterial fabric into face masks? So I immediately thought like, okay, that's brilliant. We can help. And I have, I literally worked in health hospitals for 15 years. So I have all these, you know, relationships. In 24 hours, we had a sample of a face mask. I mean, literally staples. My husband went to like the local arts and crafts store because the city hadn't shut down yet. And I still have that. Actually, I found that mask last week. I'm going to put it in the shadow box. But anyways, made a sample on that Friday. By Saturday, I was talking to the president of MD Anderson, never met him before, literally just found his email online and he responded with an executive call. I dropped off about 20 sample masks on the Monday. And then by Friday, March 27th, we had an order for about 30,000 face masks. Um, and to date, we've sold and donated over 600,000 uh, face masks. And then in doing the face masks, we've had other Texas Health Resources, I'll just put it out there. They're up in Arlington, Dallas. They're a huge healthcare system. And they're like, hey, we've heard about these face masks, but what we really need are isolation gowns. So make a long story short, um, we invented a new design for an isolation gown for healthcare. So we haven't officially announced that. Well, I guess I'm kind of announcing it right now. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, don't tell anybody. Oh, crap, this is live. I'm like, this is a girl chat. And all of a sudden, I'm like putting it all out there. But uh, yeah, the company's Excel Unite. And um, PPE and textiles, like level one, level two, that it, uh, basically any kind of blood or uh, liquid barrier protection. So we're involved now in the healthcare space. And we're also working on developing uh, scrubs, um, antibacterial scrubs as well. So what started out as a t-shirt is now, yeah, gowns, scrubs. Um, we're gonna start licensing our fabric. We just created our first header cards and got them in yesterday, so that's really exciting. So we'll be licensing our fabric to other companies. Very cool. That's very, very exciting. So where where are you manufacturing? And you're not obviously specific, but where in your areas, yeah, are you pulling? Yeah, uh, East Coast, um, East Coast, North Carolina specifically is where our primary knitter is for our fabric. And West Coast, primarily, we have two factories uh, are cut and sew that sew everything from our apparel to our masks. And it's just been so awesome having these, you know, domestic relationships. I mean, the, the amount of people, you know, it's funny when we first started Excel, people were like, oh, you'll never be able to source and source everything and make everything here in the States. It's impossible. It's all overseas. You'll never, you know, make a profit. I'm like, oh, tell me never one more time. <laughs> you and I both. Never one more time. And so, yeah, from fiber to finished garment, everything is sourced and made right here in the United States. Oh, I'm so excited. I Because this is, this is, again, where my passion has come from hemp. And people always say, well, why are you so passionate about hemp? And it is that it is involved and embedded in every aspect down to the manufacturing and supply chains of our T-shirts, right, or of our uh, textiles. So... As far as hemp fibers now moving forward, right, or any other sustainable fibers, I've become very passionate about sustainability, right, and hemp brings that. Uh, where do you see the industry or the, the opportunity for hemp? Um, and real quick, a plug for you that um, as hard as the pandemic is, what an opportunity for you to get into a market that wouldn't have probably presented itself otherwise. Yeah, it's, it's been a blessing. And, you know, and it's a lot of fun. I can't get to, I mean, we never even had an office. I office out of my house for the last four years. We got our first ever office as a team and we grew during the pandemic. So I can't get to the office fast enough in the morning. Uh, the team is awesome. 
Uh, no one has a background in textiles, a myriad of backgrounds, but it's really cool because a, a lot of our team is actually uh, millennials. And I'm, I'm just over the cusp. I don't know what they consider me, but it, I'm not a millennial. Um, you know, I, try to, I, try, I try to hang, but whatever. And so it's really cool that the majority of our team is the, the, the large consumer right now. And they're the ones that are making purchasing decisions based on sustainability and ethical treatment. And uh, it's just really cool to learn from them. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So opportunity for hemp. What do you see as far as yeah, especially the antimicrobial or healthcare side, right? Totally. So the first time I ever heard about hemp actually had nothing to do with my company. Uh, my husband, so my husband and his family, they're from the Midwest, Illinois, and they have a bunch of like, you know, beans and wheat and all, you know, farmland. And so like three, Four, not three years ago, I think it was, I hear my husband and his brother on the phone talking about turning one of their farms into growing hemp because it just got, I guess, legalized to start growing or whatever and become like a crop and turn it textile. And I never really gave it a thought, but I thought, well, that's kind of cool because we see other areas in that realm totally taking off. But I never really gave it a thought again until, quite frankly, I heard from you and Kate. Um, so going on your calls and researching, I think hemp... I don't think, I don't like the word say I think. I'm excited about hemp. Uh, we've seen it flourish in other areas of the world, specifically, you know, Asia area. And so the sustainability factor, and I have a huge respect for farmers, uh, specifically here in the United States. I've gone out and I've gotten tours of uh, farms out in California. And not until you walk a farm and see where the actual, you know, plant comes from, does a consumer or a business owner or just a human being have an appreciation for these families that have been around for generations and generations and generations? And the fact that we can bring, you know, sustainable crops back here to the United States and, you know, increase these farmers' production and livelihood and their, their business and their, their family uh, gets me really, really excited. Yeah. It, well, and you nailed it. So where do you see on the textile side like want challenges um, and where the low, where's the low hanging fruit really? Sure. So, do, go ahead. So challenges. And again, I'm, I'm by no, I mean, I am, if there's a hemp expert, I'm in the opposite spectrum. Like I wouldn't even say I know enough to be dangerous and possibly some of the facts I know aren't even true, I, but probably, I don't know. But hemp is super cool. Um, the challenge I see is that I hear, and again, I've not talked to many people about it, that it's difficult to take hemp as it is today in the United States and turn it into a textile. But the cool thing is you can cottonize the hemp and take that hemp, add some luxurious cotton to it, and now you're adding hemp into cotton. And so even from a, quite frankly, a marketing standpoint, if, if there is hemp in a textile, a lot of people don't even know what that means, but it sounds cool. And so consumers, I believe, will be more apt to purchase it. I saw these sneakers, gosh, I'm going to say six months ago. And I want to say in the UK, I saw them launched. It was a collaboration. It was a hemp sneaker. It was like a hemp-based top of a sneaker. It sold out like this because it's just, it's just cool. Um, and so a challenge is making full hemp fabric, but... You don't really, I mean, most people don't make 100% of something, even like most cotton clothes have something in there, you know, to make it perform differently better. Um, the opportunity is endless. Um, it could be anything from, I mean, anything. I mean, I just mentioned a, a sneaker cover. I mean, on top of a sneaker, it could be, I obviously I make t-shirts right now. Um, it can be involved in healthcare apparel. We just started our healthcare arm of the business. So, uh, so where I see huge opportunity is military, yeah. right? Back long time ago, when they used to be made out of hemp, this opens opportunity where U.S. made, U.S. manufactured, we support, and we're able to now fulfill contracts for our military with a better product or a more sustainable product, right? What it actually does to our earth. Um, yeah, I'm really super excited about it. I know Nepal, Marla just said, or Marla just said, Nepal, Nepal has mm. tons of success as far as hemp growth. Well, that's just um, right. Thank you, Marla. Yeah. Um, so talk to me. What was your what was your impression? I'm actually really curious about the Global Hemp Association. When you got involved, what 
what happened when it when when you attended our our textile meeting can you talk a little bit about it and what it was like no i'm actually laughing so i remember i was sitting in the back of the office and you know kate and you know you got you you reached out like hey we have a hemp call and you know when you're like running like a, a scaling company and there's like five people doing 100 jobs i kind of just said yeah let's do it i'm interested i sign on the call next thing i know there's like 20 people on the call and i'm like answering questions asking i loved it i loved every minute of it and i came out and told my team like you will not believe what just happened the last hour like you, know, you had like scientists on the call from around the world so it was so cool for me to see people from different industries all related to an interest in hemp but from all different fields all around the world but with a common core of interests and and wanting to you know take hemp and just just scale it grow it get it into products and you know touching on what you mentioned earlier about the government yeah i couldn't agree more um i always had a dream of excel lifestyle like t-shirts being on the marines my brother's a marine and he uh he served uh, three tours over in iraq and so my family's very, very, very pro-military. And I, again, I went to a, a textile conversation like three, four years ago. I'll never forget the lady coming out. She's very well known, so I won't, but she's really cool. And she said, she's like, okay, so here's the deal. In order to get on a government contract in the United States, you have to be have a commercial product. So a product you're selling to just regular consumers for at least two years. Then you have to fill out a stack of papers this big to even like get be considered. And at the time I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm a company of one, like, oh my gosh, what, you know, fast forward last or last year, the Navy was looking for face masks and all the companies they reached out to, they couldn't deliver the face masks. So a friend of a friend, you know, relationships um, was a supply chain director of the Navy. He's like, Hey, we need 50,000 face masks in seven days. And I, and I hate, I, I like never say the word no. I try to figure out, even if I can't do it, I know someone that can. So I couldn't make those 50,000 masks out of our Prima fabric, but I knew enough domestic suppliers that we were able to fulfill 50,000 masks within six days. So without even filling out, I think I filled out four pieces of paper. Um, we're already, we're on the government contract now. So we work with the, the Marines, the Navy SEALs, the Navy, um, and we're working on a contract now with uh, the VA hospital system. So yeah, it's a, uh, but so, yeah, I'm excited to bring, you know, bring hemp to the government and, and just see what we can do together uh, to, to definitely push this forward. OK, well, this I'm going to give a plug for our textile meeting this Friday, because this is where we, we've really done our due diligence and reaching out and trying to get involved because we want, uh, you know, when we talk about bridging this gap and putting the military or the USDA or any of these federal contracts together where money can come to support the industry. Um, I want to be a voice for them as well. And so I'm really excited about it. Um, Brian just asked a question. Let's see, how do we approach the requirement for two years establishment market on the new industry? Is there some sort of waiver or idea for hemp uniforms that is accepted? Let's see, how do we approach, I'm gonna read it again. And so normally everyone, I wear glasses, but the light's beaming off them. So if I kind of zoom in and read it, don't, <laughs> don't be The virtual world we live in. Two years ago. How do we approach the requirement for two years? And Brian, if I'm not answering this correctly, please ask the question, if I'm not answering it correctly. So once you're on the government contract, I could have been selling like glasses. And once you're on the government contract, I now have access to all the bids, the RFPs, everything from light bulbs to cell phones. So once you're on the contract, I can bring new opportunities. You know, I have like relationships now to people in the government. Um, and I'm not sure if that answered, is there some sort of waiver for like hemp uniforms? Except, yeah, so I mean, the, the way I would do it is basically see what's out there um, for either grants or government bids that are out now for uniforms, et cetera. And then just, you know, include a hemp option. But more importantly, that's kind of like, uh, what's the word I want? That's, um, See, throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. What I'd prefer to do is talk to my government, you know, relationships, tell them about hemp, and then they basically formulate an RFP or an RFQ or whatever that includes hemp in it. Um, so that's a little more of a longer process. But yeah, once you're on the contract, it's easier to submit things because uh, you have access. So, I mean, for example, if there's a all the time I'm seeing RFPs for uniforms or t-shirts. This is just not even for the government. This is also for uh, police and fire and 
you know, challenges is a lot of these people are making decisions, not really the government per se, but like, you know, other forces are making decisions based on lowest cost. But that I always say that's just an educational thing. I mean, I didn't know the difference in various textiles. I thought a t-shirt was a t-shirt. So when I see them, I can reach out and be like, hey, like, I know you're saying you want just like a, you know, cotton poly t-shirt, but what if I told you about some, you know, revolutionary new textiles out there and how they could benefit the people wearing them and the farmers and the whole sustainability initiative? Okay. I think he just, he, I think just clarified a little bit. Oh, sorry. oh. Uh, thank you, Brian. Well, we have to sell these textile clothing items to civilian market. Um, no, no. Nope. As long as I mean, what to get on the and I thank you, Brian, for the uh, the clarification. No, once once you're on contract, no. I mean, if if there was a company that only sold a hemp T-shirt, let's say, and they weren't on the government contract, and they didn't have other relationships. The standard process would be they have to be selling that hemp T-shirt to the American consumer for about two years before they can even apply to the government contract. But a huge thing that I've seen during the pandemic is let's say, let's say Brian, I'm going to pretend Brian that you own a company that sells a hemp t-shirt and you're not on the government contract rather than sell your t-shirt for two years. Another avenue would be that you partner with a person who's already, or a company that's already on the government contract and go in that way. And um, so there's, 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 I have noticed workarounds. I'm not sure if I'm saying anything illegal. I don't think I am. Um, but you I know, think, well, I think that, this goes back to, you know, where our break in our supply chain is and this realization on our government side or any of our contracts on supply chains to realize that now I don't think it's so much a, hey, we have to follow this order. It's like we have to rethink about the process and what we've been doing and we're re recreating it where it's, it's, you know, or maybe not recreating it. We're finding a new, a new path, a new way to get there. Mm -hmm. And making it more streamlined. I mean, supply chain, I actually, I forget the gentleman's name. Again, I met him at some textile association. He actually started a supply chain, um, a supply chain USA based textile apparel company because it was just, it's just so dis, and it's, it's to no fault of anybody. It's just so disjointed. Like the person that grows the fiber, there isn't usually this, this path all the way to a finished textile or whatever it may be. Um, and so you know, we, we just all work together and try to make it a little more streamlined. Well, I think that's something that we talk about. So I'm going to give, like, again, come to our meeting on Friday. I'd love to have you there, Megan, if you can. Or I'm actually um, driving. What time is it? At one o'clock central? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley, I'll be driving. So yeah, I'm planning on it. It's in okay. my yeah. okay. I'd love to have you because um, we. I want to dive into this a little bit and a little bit more about some of the things that we do have going on. Um, and so I encourage other people to join. Brian is actually a member and Brian, please come as well. You're welcome to join the textile meeting. Um, but this is where we want to kind of dive into this more that maybe instead of sharing all of it online, I don't know, but <laughs> Save either some. way. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit about um, what else? Where are you? Tell me, I saw that you're, um, you're a 40 under 40. What are some of your yeah. big accomplishments? You yeah, I just, I just made it. I turned, actually, I turned 40 in March. And uh, yeah, so I won 40 under 40 for, you know, business owners or executives last year. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah. That's pretty exciting. It is, it is. And we have, um, so our team is very small and we have goals for every member of our team in terms of just whatever they want in terms of, you know, winning awards or whatever. So there's a, a young little whippersnapper on our team, uh, Amanda Kotler. She's the director of operations, and we're we're all working together to get her on the Forbes 30 under 30. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So putting it out there. So we when we have a goal in the company, it's like all hands on deck. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So talk to me about how do people reach you if somebody wants to get in touch or look at some of your product. I see you have your website here, but how else do people get in touch with you? Yeah, um, LinkedIn, Megan Eddings. Uh, my hair's a little shorter. I have a green shirt on. I'm thinking my head's cocked a little bit this way. Uh, so, Megan Eddings on LinkedIn, um, Excel Lifestyle uh, on our website. It's info at excellifestyle.com. Uh, 
let's see. You know, I'll just put my email up there. What, you know, I'll put my email out there. Uh, Megan, M-E-G-A-N, the letter E. So Megan E at ExcelLifestyle.com. We're all over Instagram. We're getting better on LinkedIn. Okay. I just put it in here for you. Yeah, and if you're in Houston, just come on. I mean, I won't put our address. So if you're in Houston, just come on, come on by. You can find our address. I love it. I love it. Well, now I'm, I want to come in. I would love to come down and visit and see yeah. what's going on. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what we, with, earlier you mentioned, um, you know, collaborating with people who already have contracts. You mm -hmm. know, this is, as we move the hemp industry along, what does that look like for you? What do, what do collaborations typically look like? And what are things that maybe other people should be aware of or looking for that maybe they don't think about? So we've not done a lot of it just because we're relatively new to the, maybe nine months to the contract. But currently we're working on actually twofold. Companies have reached out to us because we have products that they can sell to the government. And we look to partner with companies that have products that I don't make, but we can go. I mean, at the end of the day, we're considered a small company or small business, woman owned, hub certified. So we, we check a lot of the boxes in terms of a government contract. So I have other companies reaching out to me to basically use our company's status to, to get into you know more government opportunities. Uh, so it's kind of just like fun. And I'll say LinkedIn is a huge, I mean, we, we met on LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn is a huge resource. And I the amount of people that I've met via LinkedIn over the past nine months and actually talk with and you know working on business opportunities, it's, it's mind blowing. Um, so advice I have, I, mean, I have so many pieces of advice, but one piece of advice I have for everyone is if there is a person or a company that you're intrigued in for any reason, just reach out. You know, no one's, no one's too important. Like, you know, I mean, worst can happen is they don't respond, but at least you tried. Uh, so I've reached out to, I've kind of practiced my own advice and I reach out to some kind of some heavy hitters in the, in the executive space and some respond and some don't. Um, yeah. So just, you know, reach out if you have an idea, especially in terms of government contracts, even re I mean, yeah, just re just reach out to anyone you see on LinkedIn that you think might be a good partner. Well, and right now is a perfect time, right? We have we've had an opportunity to skip ahead. I would have never met you had we not run into each other face to face because yeah. before COVID and the pandemic, I, I hadn't hosted a Zoom call, let alone two hundred live interviews. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been it's been an opportunity where just like you, everybody's at home or in the office and willing to meet because it's more comfortable now. And this is the way that we do things. And so, yes, I, I'm the same. I encourage people to reach out. I love connecting on LinkedIn. It's been really successful for us. Kate's yeah. powerhouse on LinkedIn. It's awesome. Oh, she um, is. She is. She doesn't miss a beat. <laughs> it's awesome. She's yeah, she's good. I always thought I was good, but she's way better than I am. <laughs> and we did. I mean, that's yeah. the other benefit too is, We've got a great team at the association that's building connections to grow this, right? And move right along. Um, what is some advice you might have for entrepreneurs getting into any, any business, right? But coming from where you started to where you've ended up and very unexpected. Um, yeah. What does that journey look like? And how, which I would say, you know, it's kind of, it's the same advice, I give for everyone. Uh, I remember, and I wish I remembered the book I read five years ago. So I read a bunch of entrepreneurship books, you know, podcasts, all that stuff, just for confidence to start my own journey. My parents, they didn't go to college. Uh, my brothers didn't go to college. Uh, I don't have any entrepreneurs in my family. So I was in a, a very comfortable job that I loved. And, but this, this cure for a stinky workout clothes just consumed me. And so I read a bunch of books. And every single business book had at least a chapter related to fear. And I just found it so fat. And there was one book and it said something like, if you make $5,000 a year or you make $5 billion a year, everybody has fear. And it's all about how you approach that fear and kind of address it is how, is how you're going to be able to move forward. So I tell everyone, if you're, and this is not even just entrepreneurship, this is anything in life. You just have to acknowledge the fear. That's okay. I gently push it away and then I just go for it. Um, and so the biggest thing for entrepreneurs is just stop, try to stop self chatter. We all have it, you know, the negative self chatter and just go for it. Just take one small step every day. I mean, you don't have to have an idea. And the next thing you know, you're on the cover of Forbes. Like 
no one got on the cover of Forbes because they had an idea last week and they were killing it the next week. So um, just do little things every day and always come from a place of how can I help? And if you come from a place of how can I help and serve you, it's amazing the relationships that you'll form um, and just how it just helps everyone, uh, you know, as a whole. Absolutely. Okay, so on the textile side, what type of information does the industry need to bring hemp into the mainstream fabrics and mainstream contracts, right? The big, the big. Oh, can you repeat the question one more time? Um, what does, sorry, I don't know if I broke up probably. I, what does the um, textile industry need or you as a, as a business in the textile space need to be comfortable or confident to bring hemp into mainstream contracts or main contracts. Perfect. Uh, education. I guess I would just say expo exposure first because everything mm -hmm. starts with exposure and then education. I'm literally just thinking personally over the past, let's say four to five years being part of associations, textile specifically. I don't know if I ever heard the word hemp and I'm thinking about all the talks I've been to um, so it first starts, I would say, with getting in with some of these textile organizations and just talking about hemp to make it more mainstream in conversation. And then also once talking about it, then, you know, providing education. And you mentioned earlier, you know, we're in the world of Zoom calls and, you know, meeting virtually. And so if you or Kate or anyone on your team in, in the hemp realm can have a 30 minute phone call and talk to these textile organizations or farmers or et cetera, that would, that would be huge. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think the farmers are definitely somewhere where has been a target, right? But again, bridging that gap for other businesses to say, we're interested and, and spike our interest. What does that look like? Right. And so I have to give a shout out to our team and to Kate for doing so much of that. Um, I'm curious. I had another question. I don't know where my brain's been today. I'm on vacation mode. I swear. I got. Oh, I, <laughs> well, and I'm not. It wasn't even. It was a vacation. I was hoping to run into Kate when I was down there. She's lucky and still down there. Mm -hmm. um, I yesterday, I know. I love Florida. I'll be there in the next couple of weeks. That's awesome. 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 So tell me, who are some of the big associations that you are involved with, or that are really representing the industry well? Yeah, the biggest one that I'm actively a member of that uh, is IFAI, IFAI. Uh, they're awesome. They have, it's funny, you know, you all, we get magazines in the mail still. And, you know, a lot of them I throw away or I please say stop sending just, you know, like wasting paper. But the IFAI uh, specialty review, I think it's called, they send a paper magazine out and it, I read it from cover to cover. And it's, it's where I get almost all my information every month on like big things that are happening. I'm also on their email list. Um, another, uh, there's uh, e-textiles. Uh, a buddy of mine, Devin, runs it. He sends out an email, and it's all the hot information of textiles. Everything from mills to, it, it's huge. Yeah. I would, so, love, I would love to collaborate with him and see if we oh. can do a piece on hemp or help get some education out. Um, sure. I would love a connection or maybe even invite him to our meeting. Yes. I'll, I'll introduce you. He is, I mean, picture the nicest person, you know, that is him. I met him at one of like the fabric conferences and we just met briefly. And next thing you know, we're like best friends. Awesome. So he's like, any, he's like any press release you put out, just send it to me and I'll post it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's a fabulous guy. I'll introduce oh, that's him. So awesome. 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 Um, Marla just made a really good suggestion that BidSync encourages, encourages classifying your products and large companies use it as a, hand guide for set aside companies to do joint ventures. Interesting. Thank you, Marla. Yeah, Mar Marla, I, meant, I saw you mentioned earlier JVs, but uh, let's, do you know Marla? Yes, she's, oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Hello, Mar Hello, Marla. She's fabulous and extremely well uh, diverse in the industry. She's very educated, very knowledgeable. Um, she's awesome. Is she <laughs> Is it related to hemp or textiles or both? Hemp grants. She's got an education in grants and or a, a background in grants. And that's a, that's Marla. You're a great person to know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, half of the oh, gosh, ninety percent of the battle is just finding the grants or finding the RFPs or RFQs. And once once we all can figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and like you said, building the team of people, right? And who who is worth working with? And I shouldn't say worth working with, but who has the experience or who can fulfill the contracts or who, um, you know, can balance that team? And yeah. yeah I have, really I have, and I had a call this morning, um, a guy that I went to college with who's in DC in the government sector. And, you know, when you, it's, it's so cool during the pandemic when you talk to someone that you respect and know, even if like back in your college days and they write and they hear your story and then they recommend someone you should talk to or they'll connect with a hundred percent of the time it works out because you're, it's already coming from a trustworthy source. Um, so yeah. Rela I mean, relationships, relationships, relationships. Well, and this goes back to why we started doing what we're doing, right. Is, to provide an opportunity for people like you and for other members to meet people and understand who's doing it right in the industry. I'm really passionate about highlighting who's doing it right and um, being able to bring knowledge and education to those other verticals or associations that may just need a little bit of support or a few of their members might be interested. Yeah. Yeah, that's really where I'm focused. You're doing a great job. You guys are everywhere. Like you're, you're doing a great job. And I know Thanks. it's a lot of work and you always have a smile on your face. So yeah, I don't know what you do when the Zoom call's not on, but when you're on it, you're always smiling. So oh, that's awesome. You're funny. I, well, somebody said the other day, well, why are you always smiling? I said, I've, I think I've almost gotten to the point where when I'm nervous, I smile. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I know I'm on camera. So yeah, yeah. But it's, no, it's, it's just naturally who you are. Yeah, it's not, you're not, it does not come across nervous at all. Oh, you're awesome. So where do you see yourself going, Megan? What's moving forward? Uh, From a business standpoint, I really see us getting heavily involved in the healthcare, healthcare and government. Um, yeah, and it's funny, you know, I started Excel Lifestyle for fitness apparel. And you always got to, you know, piece of advice someone gave me before is like, when, when you start a company and someone asks you, well, who's your consumer? Don't say the world. Like, I mean, of course we all want the world to buy our products and, but you always want to start with a niche market. So my niche market was kind of high end athletic apparel, but now with the pandemic and just, you know, consumers reaching out and wanting us to make products, healthcare and uh, government is where I really see this year, you know, taking off. Interesting, in six months from now, I might be saying baby toys. I have no idea, but you know, as I sit here today, the last year has shown me, and you know, so far this year, uh, healthcare and government. Well, I'm excited to talk more on Friday about it because I think that you're, I think you're right. <laughs> you know, I think just with everything that's happening and where the focus is for our supply chain to protect our healthcare and our government, right? And which then feeds down and trickles down to the consumers in the long run. Um, what else? How did, I have a question for you. I don't think I've ever asked you this question. How did you get into hemp? Oh, <laughs> um, I've always had an interest a long time ago when I kind of dove into understanding our plastics problem and the pollution problem. You know, um, I was really taken back by the fact that hemp has been gone as long as plastics have really been around and that all along we've had this solution or an opportunity to reverse a lot of our problems and it's been unavailable to us and so i showed up in an event working for somebody else somebody else that said hey will you um, work this event with my brother um it's actually my partners the people that i started utah cbd collective with ryan fritchie um he's merchant processing and and at first, I wasn't really interested in merchant processing. I've done B2B business development and events for years, and um, it's such a hard sell. I mean, it's a lot of paperwork. It's fighting over pennies, you know, 0.25 or 0.02% sometimes. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I'm not really interested. And his brother said, well, it's a cannabis event. I went, oh, okay, well, it's a CBD. And so I looked at this as an opportunity to get into the hemp industry. Um, and with that, when I went, it was eye-opening to me that the basic business practices weren't available to a lot of our, the industry, you know, no banking, no merchant processing and merchant processing then went from, for me, from a transaction-based sale to, I have a real opportunity to provide business to you, um, you know, to give you an opportunity to actually transact versus fighting for pennies. And so um, it became relationship and service and, then for there, I dove in head first because every time I went to an event, 
um, that year and I went to tons. I traveled as often as I could to as many as I could. And I sat next to everybody that raised their hand because I figured if they were smart enough to ask a question, then they understood what was happening, mm-hmm. right? And so everybody, I mean, just over and over and over again, the obvious reason that hemp should be used in the United States and how it unfolded, like I said, the passions of you know my interest in supply chain and how it's connected to healthcare. Yeah. So just things like that. Yeah. No, very cool. Very. And I don't mean, you know, more than I know as far as, and I just, is hemp being used at all in the United States in healthcare applications or apparel or anything that. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you, if I can answer right off, maybe Marla knows. Um, there've been a lot of discussions that we've had on the healthcare side. I'm just not sure about the testing of the fabric side. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm thinking about all the healthcare companies, you know, I don't know all of them, but the, the big ones that, you know, do the bed sheets and the linens, et cetera. I don't ever remember, not yet. That's why it's always fun to be on the forefront of something. Uh, hemp, but you're right. And then the, the fact, I didn't know I didn't know anything about testing of textiles. I was like, say what? Uh, and now by no means am I a texting or, you know, a, a testing guru, but at least I know enough to be dangerous of a lot of the tests that, you know, certain um, industries require of textiles before they make a decision on incorporating that textile into their, uh, whatever it be, apparel, bed sheets, you know? Yeah. Yes. Well, That's this cool. is where I love to collaborate because this is where, the industry is focused right now or where I see a lot of our conversations going is the R&D side of the fabrics, right? How, what's the supply chain look like? Uh, and, and really that goes back to when is the hemp harvested? How is it harvested? What do we do with it, right? Um, what's the quality or consistency, the standards on the fiber? And so there's a lot to it, but um, it is being done. Now it's a matter of being able to take it from, you know, this, small scale to large scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do know that, you know, like I said, the USDA, Kate mentioned that Bill from the USDA is going to be on our call on Friday um, so that we can kind of speak to this on behalf of the VA and our military and what opportunities will be there. That's awesome. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and then also we know that the, you know, military is interested in, in hemp uniforms. Mm-hmm. Now what it looks like, and we'll talk more about that, but we're really excited. Yeah, no, I, I'm ex- I'm excited too. I mean, do anything textile related, cool, especially when it's sustainable, helps you know helps all types of industries, you know, specifically in the United States, and keeps jobs here, you know, brings jobs here, bring brings jobs here. Um, I love. So this is this is really exciting. What do you think? Um, if you said something earlier that was pretty interesting, and I be- I'm right in line with what you said. You mentioned that if it says hemp consumers will think it's cool or be interested, right? I think that for a long time, there's been this reservation on businesses not putting hemp in their product or not talking about it because it's shamed or it's bad, right? It's really been pushed away. And so now I'm seeing this gap in realization that our consumers and especially the younger generations and the millennials are extremely interested. Um, When I would wear a shirt that said hashtag got CBD, right? Everybody was like, wait, what? What do you do? What do you do? And all all it said was CBD, right? And so I think same thing. It really is something that's of interest. On your side, where do you see consumers really being driven? Yeah, it's, it's definitely like everything comes down to education. I mean, so this is just from Megan Eddings speaking, you know, back in the, I say back in the day, not that long ago, CBD came out and you know people and I remember my own family and I didn't know you know this is before maybe five years ago oh CBD that must be marijuana oh it must be bad for you you know that's a drug it, it was just this education everyone was worried and so people again fear there's that word fear again people hear CBD it's somehow from a pot plant it's not good for you illegal well then all of a sudden this you know education CBD is coming out there and like it's there's a bazillion stores and online it's CBD for your pets. Like there's everything. It's like the, the benefits are out there, but it took it took some time from from a perception to what actually is. And it's the same thing I believe with hemp. 
But the good thing about hemp is we've already dealt with the CBD misnomers. And so now going into with hemp, we're not starting so far backwards. Like, wait, hemp, it must be marijuana. It must be illegal. We're starting because CBD, in my mind, paved the way for, okay, this is awesome and healthy and there's benefits and it's not illegal. Um, so with hemp, it's just, it's still related to that whole CBD health wellness space that people are very excited about. Um, and then it's just, it's just cool. I mean, people like the cool factor. I mean, um, I mean, there's this new sneaker. It's kind of the same. There's this new sneaker brand that came out and their thing and they're expensive and their thing is they look dirty. Like that's their shtick. And people are spending bazillions of dollars on these sneakers that look dirty because they're cool and it's different. So if hemp is going to be the cool, different new thing, it, it, it's just going to take off. It's just, I'm excited about it. Um, and I know the millennials are anything with sustainability and related to CBG. And they might not quite know what it means, but they know it's something cool. I mean, I keep saying that word, but that's, yeah. Well, and I think sustainability is a real concern of theirs. You know, less than ours. We we will be less affected by the, the effects of the waste from the textile industry, right? The rest of the garbage from the yeah, and so, overconsuming and just all of it. Yep, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. I appreciate you very, very much. We have about ten more minutes. Um, John John said something great here. The only thing to fear is fear itself. Right. The only fear losing our chance. The only fear losing. See, I can't read either. Look at me. <laughs> losing our chance and change the world with hemp and bees. Ah, that's nice. Nice, John. I had other, of course, great questions. I don't know what my deal is. I get to focusing on you and you say something and I'm like, oh, I got to bring this up. And then I forgot today. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Okay. Hashtag real hemp. Yes. Um, I was, somebody else made a really good comment. Oh, this is what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Um, do you have any feedback on this real quick? Testing and the locations where the testing is located? Coming in from China. Do you have any, it, maybe inbound, I think what she's referring to, I probably should have looked at it, but I think what she's referring to, and Kate, correct me if I'm wrong, is products that are coming in, and I know this is a problem with the, with the cotton and some of the other natural fibers, right, um, that it's either not real product, it's not real hemp, um, and it's being labeled wrong. What type of testing labs do you use or where, and, and is that something maybe, let's explore what that looks like, because as this market grows and we protect our supply chains, you know, where do we differentiate from what is real hemp or what is the real fibers? Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I, um, I can speak from it from a, a cotton, I guess, standpoint and some yeah. other textile standpoint. For example, if, if someone says they have textile that's, you know, 30% cotton, 70% polyester, well, there's testing facilities here in the country, and I have some friends that do it, that can literally be like, uh, no, they lied. It's really 10%, 90%. There's also, I would say for hemp, and I don't know if it exists yet, but there's traceability, literally companies that do traceability for cotton. Do they have those for hemp? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I would think the traceability for sure. Um, but those are very, well, yeah. I shouldn't say we do, right? It's Yes, there are companies that are, but I don't think anything has been adopted on a big scale, right? Yeah. And so who and where and what's being used. But um, the seed to cradle is very important in the textile space. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even more so in the hemp space, um, just because the way it's grown and processed and what type of chemicals are used or if it still has its antimicrobial factors or not. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, I mean, I personally have not talked to any of my buddies here in the States that have analyzed hemp, but I'm 100% sure either they know about it or they know someone who can do it here domestically. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's awesome. A fabric nerd, always a fabric nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love, I, I actually have a minor in chemistry. I was in pharmacy ah, yeah. originally, and so I speak your language about the science. 
and it's, a, I shouldn't say I speak the language. I recognize the words you're using. <laughs> I cannot anymore. That's awesome. Well, and I say that too. I used to teach anatomy or be, I was an anatomy, you know, TA or aide, and we taught the labs as aides in college and as part of our medical classes. And I, now I don't know what a bone is. I mean, I, People will say it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and now I know. But for me right. to identify it, it's it's like a foreign language that I just, it's amazing how fast I've lost it. Well, it's amazing how fast you pick it back up, too. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marla just said, other countries like Canada does, 12 years in the market, and Germany, too. So Canada, for example, and I'm just thinking about someone I know, is hemp big in Canada? I have no idea. Interesting. They're much more advanced than us. And I'm writing that down because, huh, okay. Cause I'm talking to a company in Canada that does PPE specifically and they're starting to, they're trying to get a footprint here in the United States. And so I'm wondering, huh, I have a call with them this week. I'll, uh, I'll bring it up. Yeah. Do they want to tell Brent, I don't speak the language, but I recognize the words you're using. No, I know. That's like t-shirt. That That's amazing. Like that literally, yeah. Good job, Brian, because that was hysterical. <laughs> but it's true. I think it's to make it. I mean, just you know, yeah. Just if you just kind of throw out a few words and nod and smile, they're like, oh yeah, she knows something. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, I, I really feel like the anatomy, the chemistry, it's like trying to redo your fifth grade math class at our age. I, it's a different language. And that's oh. <laughs> how I feel is, yeah. like, oh, I know that word. And I know it's a bone or I know it's part of my body, but where I don't remember. Right, right. <laughs> um, we also have other questions. Kate, this is another thing I'd like to um, bring up is as we do connect and into the healthcare, um, Kate's really well connected to Fred Brown. Um, he's an incredible gentleman. Um, I've interviewed him a couple of times, but he is really involved in the pandemic and the um, advising of a number of governors or countries. Um, I can't speak specific to where he is now, um, but incredibly educated. It would be a great resource and a great tool for you. Um, maybe worth connect connecting. But yeah. she has fredbrown.com on there. Check okay. out his website. Thank you. Um, other than that, um, I appreciate you having, uh, having you on. I'll talk to you on Friday. I can't wait. If anybody else has any questions or needs anything, don't hesitate to reach out to Megan. She's obviously wonderful and fun to be with. So thank you. Yeah, very, thank very you very I'll see you on Friday. I'll be, I'll be dialing in via the phone because I will be driving. But uh, no, I appreciate this and glad my Wi-Fi is working, which is always, you know, a challenge these days. But uh, thank you so much, Mandy, and everyone for joining. And I'm happy to help in any way I can. Awesome. Thank you, Megan. We'll be in touch. Thank Have you. Bye-bye.